Hello everyone, this is Deborah Richardson and today I am putting the AP in Happy where accounts payable teams are empowered to protect the vendor master file from fraud. This podcast will give a voice to accounts payable team members by talking about the growing reality of cyber attacks in their world and which vendor setup and vendor management techniques they can apply to protect the vendor master file from fraud. Visit the Vendor Process Training Center to enroll in your choice of 55 plus training sessions that will help you and your team avoid fraud, compliance fines, and bad vendor data. Or just sign up to get access to Vendor Process FAQs and to attend weekly drop-in live Q&A sessions. Visit training.deborahrrichardson.com today. The link will be in the show notes. When you inactivate vendors in your vendor master file, do you also remove the tax ID and the vendor's banking? So if you want to know what I consider best practice or what you should consider in answering that question, keep listening. Welcome to episode 234. Should you remove your vendor's banking and tax ID when you inactivate them? Plus, a need that I just don't have an answer for. So you have vendors that you need to inactivate either because it's a one-off vendor you've identified that uh, maybe they changed their tax ID, they need a new vendor record, or you're just not doing business with them anymore. And so you're inactivating them. And so the question is, do you remove both the banking, vendor's banking and the tax ID or one or the other? So I'm going to start with the tax ID first. And so my recommendation is that you do not remove the tax ID. And there are two reasons why. The first one is that payment activity needs to follow the tax ID. And so if you remove the tax ID and let's say you have to do uh, some corrections for the 1099 and because uh, this vendor was a reportable vendor, now the tax ID is gone and you can no longer just validate that that is the correct vendor because the tax ID is gone. Now, I do recognize that uh, systems, the audit logs will uh, retain the historical data in that field. But as far as being able to search and find the vendor, let's say if a correction comes through or that vendor uh, requests a correction or the um, another scenario that you're probably experiencing now is you may get that IRS CP2100 or CP2100A notice to say that the legal name tax ID for that vendor didn't match. And that can go back a couple of years. So if you've inactivated that vendor and removed the tax ID, now you have to 
uh, find, it's going to be more difficult to find the vendor. And yes, you may be able to find it by legal name. However, if the legal name is the thing that was wrong, maybe not. All right. So that's the first reason. The second reason is the tax ID should really be the unique identifier on your vendor record, meaning depending on your system and systems like uh, SAP, you are most likely not going to be, well, let me just take that back. You are not going to be able to have one unique identifier per vendor record in a system like SAP because each different um type of criteria will require a different vendor record. And then those vendor records have to be uh, matched uh, on the relationship screen um, to that header vendor record. So for example, if you have a vendor in SAP and that vendor has a different ordering address, that is a different vendor record. If that vendor has a different payment term, maybe you're paying them for different things. And so they have Uh, multiple payment terms. Each one of those payment terms is a different vendor record. If you have, again, a vendor where you're paying them for multiple, uh, maybe multiple types of uh, products, and maybe those types of products have different payment methods. So maybe they want to pay a payment by check versus a payment by ACH. Each one of those are different uh, vendor records. And so you match them up on the relationship screen. Now, I'm not quite sure how that works in SAP as for HANA, but I know that's how it works in like ECC6. So if you haven't, and that's the the, the version. So if you haven't um, upgraded, you're still using uh, ECC6 or something similar to that, then you're still dealing with the relationships in SAP and you are not going to be able to have that tax ID uh, be only used once and have that be the unique identifier. And I guess it's actually an SAP, the unique identifier, because it's the, uh, you include that tax ID in each one of those records. And that's how we used to uh, identify vendors and related vendor records is based on the tax ID in SAP. So I guess you could call it that. But in other systems, let's say PeopleSoft, you can flip a switch and require that uh, tax ID only be used once in your vendor master file. And then that way it helps to reduce duplicates. But that also means that if you remove the tax ID now you have no um, uh, now you have no way to eliminate the duplicate uh, vendors. And so if you remove that tax ID, that vendor could be added again. Um, if you inactivate that vendor, then want to do business with them in the future. Now you instead of inactivating or activating that uh, same vendor record, maybe with some updated, uh, information as long as they have the same tax ID, um, whoever is you know uh, processing that vendor request may not do the duplicate vendor check and do the search on the legal name and find that vendor, and they may end up creating a whole new vendor record. And so now you've lost the matching of that activity. Uh, and so for those two reasons, and there are probably others as well, I would say that. Uh, I wouldn't recommend that you remove the tax ID when you inactivate vendors. I will say though that 
there was a third party provider that recommended that the tax ID be removed when you inactivate vendors. Um, but their assumption, and maybe this could be true in your company or maybe other com- uh, companies, their assumption was that there was a whole separate group, like a tax department. Maybe they're the ones that filed the 1099s, 1042s. But their assumption is that there was a tax department that retained the vendor's tax IDs and uh, or removing them for the vendor record then would not be as, would not cause any issues. I, I don't know anywhere that that is true. And if the payment activity has to follow the tax ID, I don't know where the tax department would connect those two. But again, I haven't seen our systems. You have to make that determination based on your company, your industry, your processes, your accounting system and ERPs. All right. So the next one, how about banking? This one, I say yes. And why? Again, two reasons. One is banking, as we know, uh, is considered sensitive data. And what I like about removing it is what you don't have in your system, no one can be social engineered to give it out. And so if you remove it from your system, no one can perpetrate uh, external fraud with social engineering and just trick one of your internal employees to give out that information. And also it is not available for internal fraud. So those internal fraudsters that may take that vendor's information and perpetrate some type of a fraud, uh, now that is also no longer uh, available to them. So that's one reason. The second reason, and you guys might be saying, because some of you may have seen my vendor banking form template. And in that vendor banking form template, you might be asking, well, what about, you know, the fact that when there is existing an existing vendor and that existing vendor has banking on it, isn't the existing vendor banking used for authentication on your vendor banking form? And the answer to that is absolute, uh, absolutely yes, it's on there. And for those of you that are not familiar with my vendor banking form, uh, and I do have, I'll put a link to it in the show notes in case you want to look at it or purchase it, but I'll put a link to my store, um, to that product in the show notes, but, um, they are correct on that form. Uh, I have quite a bit of authenticating data. And when I say authenticating data, I mean, uh, information that, um, needs to be added to the vendor form. So then you can take that vendor banking form and take the information that is, uh, included on it and validate that information against the uh, vendor master file, that vendor record in the vendor master file. And the goal is, is to request um, that information so that you can verify you're absolutely um, communicating with your vendor versus only getting in vendor banking on letterhead, which is not going to give you that additional authenticating data. And part of that authenticating data is the existing vendor banking. So if I'm saying, right, to take the vendor banking out, then how is that going to be used for authentication? And my answer to that is, uh, 
you there's still enough information on the vendor banking form that you can use to uh, validate that you are communicating with your vendor or you did get that form from your vendor. So there's information on there like the tax ID, the remittance address, uh, the contacts email address, the remittance email address. And in addition to that, I also have the internal employee that the vendor is doing business with. And so that vendor has to fill out that information uh, as well. And part of the goal, by the way, of all of that is to, or including all that information on the vendor banking form, is to uh, deter a fraudster from going that far, right? Because hopefully they'll see that form. They'll know that you're not just going to accept a voided check or not just going to accept vendor banking on letterhead, um, either your letterhead or the bank letterhead, and they'll just move on to the next potential victim that's not asking all these questions. So with the banking, existing banking not being on the form, um, that to me is not a reason why you need to keep the banking on the vendor uh, master file and the vendor record in the vendor master file if that vendor is inactive because you still have plenty of other authenticating data that you can use to verify you've received that form from your vendor. And by the way, that's the same as if you are converting, right, your check payment vendors to ACH. We've all been through that process. You don't have existing banking on the vendor record then either. And so um, the other authenticating data on that vendor banking form will um help to authenticate that information and verify you're getting it from your vendor. So for those two reasons, one, um, it protects sensitive data, removes sensitive data from the vendor master file. And two, you still have other information that you can use to authenticate that you received that form or you received future banking from that vendor if you do business with them again. Uh, I would say you need to remove the vendor banking. There's really no reason to keep it on there. If you guys can think of some um, reason that you need to retain the vendor's banking, please go ahead and uh, shoot me an email. My email address is in the show notes and let me know what that is because maybe it's something I haven't thought of. And by the way, my whole philosophy about keeping vendor remittance information on the vendor record nowadays is if you don't have to, then don't. There are plenty of third-party payment providers out there where you can just send them your pay file and they will work with the vendors to get them paid in whatever payment method the vendor will accept. And we all know that their goal, um, what the third-party providers get out of it is they either share in or um, get the uh, rebates for card payments, right? So they try to uh, enroll your vendors that will accept it in the card programs, and then they will share in those rebates or keep those rebates. And so if you send them the pay file, they'll work with your vendor for whichever payment method, and most have them all, right? The virtual card, ACH, and also check payments too. And so they'll handle all of that, which means that when vendors contact you for 
uh, let's say, bank account changes, you just send them straight to the uh, third party uh, provider that's handling your payments, and they will work with the vendors on getting that remittance information updated. So you really don't need to store uh, the banking details. You may need to store the remittance address because maybe that's also the vendor's, you know, address. Uh, but you don't need, you wouldn't need to store the vendor's banking. So I am all for getting the vendor's banking out of the accounting system or ERP, especially uh, when that vendor is inactive. Now, the second part of this is um, there is a need and I really don't have an answer for that. So talking about inactivating vendors and removing tax IDs and removing banking is all fine and good when you're doing it on a one-by-one basis. But what about when, uh, when you are cleaning your vendor master file. And if you guys, and I'll put a link to it in the description, if you guys have watched my webinar on eight steps to clean your vendor master file, you know, the first step is to inactivate vendors you haven't done business with in uh, 15, 18, 24 months, whatever threshold works well for your company, which is good. And some accounting system or ERPs will run that process automatically for you and inactivate those vendor records. However, I have not seen a system yet that will also remove the banking information and also remove the tax ID if you choose to remove it, which I don't think is best practice. But I haven't seen any systems that as part of that automated inactivation process will also remove information from any field. And so the question is, is that if you're trying to do this on a mass basis, how do you get that piece done? And I know some of you are still trying to figure out how to get the uh, vendors inactivated in systems that where it's not automated. Now, I know some systems and some IT teams will allow you to submit a um, a Excel file or CSV file that will contain all the vendors that you need to inactivate. And maybe during that process, uh, they will let you override, right? The banking fields or the tax ID field with uh, blank data. And maybe that will be able to, will allow you to, um, remove the banking and or the tax ID and inactivate that vendor uh, all at the same time or with separate uploads, but it's done. It would be done on a mass basis. If anyone, I don't really have an answer to that because we could not find a way to do that when I was a practitioner and I had seven different ERPs, um, uh, only two of them, I think it was actually did a mass update um, where we, it would run the inactivation process on a mass basis. I take that back. Um, PeopleSoft would have um, had an automated process to inactivate vendors, but with SAP, we could, um, it didn't really have that process, but we could, uh, review it 
analyze the records, identify which vendors needed to be inactivated, and then we could run the mass update and uh, put blocks on those vendors. At least I think that was the process. But with the other ERPs, we really didn't have uh, a way to do that. So we had to go record by record. Now, luckily we did this on a monthly basis. And so we didn't have a large amount of vendors that we had to inactivate at the same time or during that monthly, uh, that monthly review and update. So I do not have an answer for you for that. If anyone has come up with a process and I don't really care which ERP you have, I would love to hear what it is because I have clients, subscribers, listeners that have um, the same problem that you do. And maybe if they share your accounting system or ERP, I can share that with them. So if you figured out a way um, around or a way to efficiently remove the tax ID, if you do that, I don't recommend it, uh, and the vendor's banking, uh, be sure to shoot me an email and I will leave that in the show notes. All right, so that is it for today. Thanks everyone. I hope you enjoyed the 234th episode of the Putting the AP in Happy podcast where accounts payable teams are empowered to protect the vendor master file from fraud. Don't forget to check the show notes for the links mentioned in the podcast. And if you enjoyed this episode, consider subscribing and writing a review of my podcast on the platform that you use to listen. Stay happy.